Welcome to the Freedom Fries Podcast. From the timeless Army-Navy rivalry to a passion for pursuing financial freedom through real estate, join Mike and Spiros for real talk about the huge wins and crushing losses of patriots who relentlessly pursue financial freedom. Freedom Fries is focused real estate investing for epic success. Hey, 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 this is Spiros with the Freedom Fries Real Estate Podcast, and I got my main man, Mike, oh, yeah. with me today. He, uh, What's going on, he gave me He gave me some leash and let me do the intro this time. <laughs> That's usually his deal, but hey, we're super excited today. This episode is absolutely fantastic. Um, it's a, a guy named Tim O'Donnell that, um, that some of you may know if you're into uh, elite athlete racing and triathlons, you probably know this guy because he's a rock star. Um, but you're going to hear some incredible things today about, about perseverance, about getting knocked down, getting back up again. And the most insightful thing is kind of at the end of the podcast. So I want you guys to listen all the way through. And he talks about changing your goals. And that's not something you typically hear about, you know, you always hear about sticking to your goals and being focused on your goals. He's going to talk a little bit about changing your goals. So, Mike, turn it over yeah, to you. I, yeah, I mean, Sparrows appreciate it. Uh, just an absolute rock star. One of the, the best episodes to date. So let me just tell everybody a little bit about Tim O'Donnell. I'm going to read a sentence of his bio, and then we won't, we'll stop talking. Let's get him in here and so we can listen to the episode, right? Tim is one of the world's most successful and experienced American long course triathletes. As a professional, he's earned 50-plus podium finishes, including over 22 wins at major events throughout the world. Uh, he, which includes nine Ironman 70.3 victories, two Ironman wins, and six Armed Forces National Championships. So, I mean, the guy does it all. He's an absolute <laughs> rock star. In addition to all that, he's also in the real estate world with, uh, what do you say, Sparrows, over 30 doors? So 30 doors, he's, yeah. He's just crushing it. So crushing it. So uh, without further ado, let uh, we'll stop talking. Let's bring, uh, let's bring Tim on in. All right, Mr. Tim O'Donnell, welcome to the Freedom Fries Real Estate Podcast. Uh, Spiros and I are really excited for this episode where it's such an honor and a privilege to have you here talking with us. So uh, without further ado, we'll stop talking. And uh, Tim, can you just tell the people a little bit about yourself and uh, we'll take it from there. Uh, thanks, Mike. Um, great to be on here with you both. Um, had some awesome, awesome nights with Spiros. So um, it's good to uh, talk shop a little bit with you guys. But yeah, I'm a 2000. A three grad from the United States Naval Academy. I uh, had service selected uh, EOD, pulled into a quasi world-class athlete program um, <laughs> when I was a uh, JO. And um, that kind of brought me to my triathlon career, raced Ironman triathlons, uh, just, just finishing up my career, 20 plus years of racing. I had some success. I absolutely love it, and um, yeah, it's just been uh, been pretty amazing. I joke with some of my other other triathlon buddies that we got to live our retirement up front. And now I'm I figuring think, out what I else Tim, I can do Tim's with my being life. A, he's being a little <laughs> modest to our listeners when he goes, when he says, "Yeah, I've had a little bit of success." Uh, also known as world champion. <laughs> I'm I'm just excited because we've had a rash of West Point graduates on yeah, this podcast oh, recently. I knew that was oh. coming, and then. And and then and then some Air Force guys, which totally you know totally off script, yeah. I guess. But man, so your it, your, your number, your listener numbers must be low without. <laughs> with, with, I know, I know. So guests. so I feel comfortable and happy 
about today because I feel like the 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 Freedom Fries podcast has come home. You know yes. what I'm saying? So whatever 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 you have to tell yourself to make yourself feel better, Spiros. <laughs> so Tim, so world class athlete program. Tell us a little bit about that because that's not typically what we hear, right? We usually hear, "Hey, I graduated from an academy or or have a military background and I did this or that." So tell our listeners a little bit about what that means exactly. Yeah, it's pretty crazy, actually. I, I mean, my older brother Thomas, uh, he's still in the Navy. He's um, Commodore Subgroup Twelve out in Groton, and nice. he jokes that I have I had the best naval career of any <laughs> anybody he, he's known. Um, <laughs> but so yeah, the Army, you know, they have an actual properly structured world class athlete program um, out in Colorado Springs, attached to the Olympic Training Center in Fort Carson. Uh, Air Force has done a lot of it well, particularly with modern pentathlon. And Navy, it was kind of a little bit ad hoc. I got uh, I graduated, and then I did the uh, IJEP Immediate Graduate Education Program, and ended up um, going to Cal Berkeley for two years to get my master's of uh, ocean engineering. While I was there, I caught the eye of Navy sports and I had won uh, the Armed Forces National Championship, Triathlon Championship, uh, the two years that I was uh, racing while I was at Berkeley. And it just so happened that I sent kind of this proposal to the head of Navy sports in Millington and at the person Navy personnel office and the Commodore of uh, EOD Group One was walking by his office door while he was like literally opening this up in the mail and he's like Commodore he's like come check this out so all of a sudden the, you know the EOD guys are like heck yeah you know this this is the type of person we want representing us in, in the Navy out to a wider audience and they said all right um, Tim we're going to um, kind of work with you on TAD orders to the Olympic Training Center in Colorado Springs I had already qualified to be a part of uh, USA's uh, triathlons national team so okay. I was kind of starting to race at that highest level of Olympic distance racing you know trying to make the Olympics and I just had this awesome opportunity to represent the Navy, the Armed Forces in the United States on international scale of traffic. That's, That's incredible. So cool. That's so cool that there's a program like that. And, and what's even cooler is it sounds like the Army and the Air Force kind of have this program a little bit more dialed in. But on the Navy side, you just said, hey, program's not there. I'm going to go and make this program happen or or at least make it happen for me. Right? That's pretty I, cool. It, yeah, it was almost willing it. And, uh, you know, I've had great successes um, in triathlon, but I really think the most impressive thing I ever did was uh, figure out how to get the Navy to let me race. <laughs> That's right. That's awesome. But oh man, I remember I was at the academy. I was like looking up different like regs and stuff and trying to find mm-hmm. like, all right, how do I how do I pitch this? How do I make this work? Uh, and I was just fortunate that I had really supportive people uh, in the EOD special operations community. You know, saw value in it. I've so, been there before, just like miscellaneous you know things in life and looking at different laws and regulations and codes and like I think there's a loophole here. I can find you know I can get my foot in the door this way yeah. or that way. So sometimes in life, you know, it just takes that little bit of of effort putting yourself out there and who knows you know things might happen yeah but it also it also sounds like you had even in the military you kind of had a network right that said hey we're gonna support this guy we're gonna we're gonna team up with him and help him achieve his goals right which yeah. is a lot what we talk about on this podcast, right? And I, I, I know I'm I'm stealing this from someone, but your net worth is your network or mm-hmm. your network Absolutely. is your Spears. net worth. And you um, know, that honestly, that started when I was at the Academy and I had uh, incredible advocates with, I was on the club triathlon team yeah. and the O-reps. Uh, we had two amazing Marine Corps officers that were our O-reps and they were advocating to get me to, you know, um, to the Olympic Training Center for wow. developmental camps for the national team while I was at wow. the Academy. Um, That's crazy. I mean, you're right. It's, having good people around you and then you know guys like um you know scott jones a retired admiral uh who was in the triathlon community and uh, jim felty one of the coaches for 
for um, Navy Triathlon. Uh, you had these guys that really just believed in me, and um, it, yeah, it was it was pretty special to have that support from people and the network. That's awesome. I'll tell you, I've I've had the opportunity, the good fortune, to spend a couple of evenings um, at different events with Tim, and you're not going to find for a world class athlete, for a guy who's got medals, <laughs> you know, to prove it, uh, you'll you'll never find a, a more humble friendly, uh, supportive dude. Very cool. So I kind of want to shift gears a little bit, Tim, to sort of your entrepreneurial aspirations, or I, mm-hmm. I would even say your your accomplishments so far. So tell us a little bit about some of the things that you're working on outside of your racing career, whether it be real estate or otherwise. Yeah, I got a, you know, a lot of um, irons in the fire, so to speak, in terms of what do I want to do next? And, yeah. you know, several years ago, I really got it. I did get into real estate. I had a, it's something that always interested me. I remember when I was training in Colorado Springs, I'd you know, at the end of my rides, I'd be riding around town looking at properties mm, and yeah. uh, things like that. And uh, we bought in, uh, my wife's from Australia and we bought a property there in 2018. Also uh, a world-class athlete. Yes, she's actually <laughs> By the real. Way. When it comes to athletics, she's, yeah, I, I just, I just runs and in the bow, family. bow down to her. She's, she's a legend. But yeah, we bought a place there and I tried to run it myself and just, just disaster. You know, international <laughs> property management, I do not yeah. recommend it. That's tough. <laughs> so, I, you know, I realized I'm like, okay, there's a lot of potential here and we live in Boulder and we make, you know, everything we bought in Boulder appreciation has been insane. So mm-hmm. I kind of realized the value there. And uh, that's when I linked up with Buddy Rushing and, and White Feather Investments. I think it was the beginning of 2019. And that really opened my eyes to, to all the real estate stuff and was able to link up with a partner, a former training partner on the national team with me, um, Brian Fleischman, who lives in Colorado Springs. And we've done a ton of investing uh, kind of on the front range and expanded to a nice little portfolio. But uh, on top of that, I'm looking at getting into public speaking and starting to write a book here soon too. So uh, I've had a, a unique career. Um, a lot of crazy stuff happened to me while I was racing triathlon. And I just want to share my story to a wider audience. That's awesome. That's awesome. So what, what is it? So you said, I'm, I'm looking at starting to write a book here pretty soon. What can Mike and I do? Yeah. <laughs> to motivate you to write that, you know, that first word. What does it take, man? Uh, no, I, I, I do have a game plan. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to work with a mentor on kind of um, shaping my story here for the next two weeks. Uh, but we just had, a, we had a baby too. Um, we have an eight, eight week old baby. Oh, number three, man. So Congratulations. Been, That's uh, awesome. <laughs> It's been it's been full on. You know, my wife just retired as well from racing. Uh, so we got two people looking to do new careers and a little baby. And we're definitely um, sleep deprived right now. <laughs> well, I, I have a four year old and a six month old, Tim. So I know uh, I know your pain and I do not envy you. I'm, I'm happy I'm over that bridge, but it's still <laughs> it's still tough sometimes. So so, Tim, tell us a little bit about um, tell us a little bit about your real estate and kind of how you got involved in it. I know you mentioned Buddy Rushing, which I think is a common thread for all of us. Um, was there anything specific you were looking for in real estate? I know you you know, you know, mentioned some uh, inter- international, which is definitely a different take. <laughs> That's yeah. definitely going for it all up front. But yeah, let's, let's talk about that a little bit, if you don't mind. Yeah. So, I mean, through Buddy and White Feather, I did. I just kind of like, you know, it's like throwing spaghetti on a wall, see one sticks. Yeah. I've tried everything, you know, small multifamily, single family uh, syndications, cool. uh, you know, all, all over the board. But what I really landed on was, you know, the most success I think I've had is the stuff we've been doing in Colorado with my buddy, Brian. I think we're up to just under 30 doors and every, wow. everything we've been able to do is kind of off market below value. So we've been able to just leverage properties, um, refinance, pull money out and buy other properties. We did a deal last year. Uh, we were able to buy a, a, a package of, of four duplexes, you know, for, you know, got under contract for a million and appraised at one three. We had just bought another duplex uh, with 
did you know cash into uh, a refi yeah. and we all the equity pulled out of that we used to put into the very Perfect. little money we needed to buy the, those other eight units because we got you know we only had to put 10 percent down mm-hmm. with the value the valuation we had so you know all of a sudden we're turning uh old properties into uh new properties with with no cash out of our pocket which is pretty awesome tim you're so- telling me it's possible to be a world-class athlete train almost every single day and still have time to buy real estate and, and be a successful real estate uh investor <laughs> That, that, that's that's impossible. That's impossible. There, you can't do that. <laughs> if you have great friends that you work with, you can. And I think that's really been my success. Yeah. Because then I even, you know, I said to Buddy and the guys at the beginning, I need to be pretty hands off. Because if you're trying to win world titles, you're trying to be the yeah. best in the world at anything. Right. It's hard to you all your energy, all your focus needs to be in that one direction. Sure. And luckily with Brian, I had someone that's on the ground um, making things happen. Uh, you, you can obviously play your role. It's not just money, but it's just like, mm-hmm. hey, thinking about big things like let why not? Why can't we do this? Why can't we leverage that? And uh, if you have, if you have someone that can then take action um, and really do the day-to-day stuff for you, that's where you can have a lot of success. So off-market versus on-market deals is something that we've talked about in previous episodes. So it sounds like you said a lot of your stuff is off-market deals. How are you and your partner finding those deals? Are you, is that an like an internal kind of effort or do you have somebody external that's that's kind of highlighting the targets for you can you talk about that a little bit yeah it's funny um spirits that's something that's something that brian and i have had internal conversations in the last couple of weeks about all right what's the next step because mm-hmm. right now it's all been been on our side now, brian's a realtor uh, he, mm-hmm. he just makes connections he hustles um yeah. i mean we've even had our tenants come say hey you know my mother you know <laughs> needs to move out or do you want to buy this house so um really developing that you know local those local connections and networks has, has been really powerful. Nice. That's awesome. How nice. did you, uh, Tim, if you don't mind me asking, how did you find Brian and how did you make that connection or, uh, you know, come to the t- determination that you guys were compatible to be, you know, business partners together? Because I know, you know, personally speaking, and a lot of people, you know, out there listening, they, you know, they struggle with that. They might have friends or they might have, uh, you know, acquaintances, but being a friend and acquaintance is a lot different than, you know, putting money together with somebody. So I'm curious to how you approach that. Uh, you definitely, you want to find someone you trust. And mm-hmm. I think, within the world of veterans there's that there's an automatic first level that you reach right um i mean you still have to do your due diligence obviously uh, and luckily you know brian and i used to room together when we were traveling across the world so you know we Perfect. know each other pretty well we have to start the conversation too and i remember brian we had bought just we bought like an eight thousand dollar lot in pueblo just for fun and <laughs> we were like we could just buy the i don't know yeah and then i not? started the course and uh i remember we had a couple of properties where we put we were put offers in but you know brian's a little hesitant he doesn't you know doesn't want to spend five thousand dollars too much we missed a couple really good deals in colorado springs mm-hmm. and at that point i'm going through the course with buddy so i have brian who knows he wants to take action has the ability to find properties but maybe doesn't quite have that risk tolerance or that confidence that hey we can make this work so right. i think that's where i really played a big role in the relationship you know i said hey brian we just missed we didn't want to pay 435 for this uh property in, in colorado springs we only want to pay 430 well the guy that bought it for 435 just turned around and sold it for yep. 550 you that's know key, yeah <laughs> you know, like, that's it. if the numbers make sense the numbers right. make sense like let's let's go and I, I think i was kind of almost be able to be that cheerleader be like hey you know this yeah, makes man. sense look at it this way here and uh together it's been a really great combination so so if two partners are agreeing on everything that could be dangerous right right i mean if you both agree if everybody's like a good point that's a really good point same direction and always agreeing on everything that might be a dangerous setup right yeah you may end up missing out on opportunities or you may end up you know holding each other's hand to certain doom 
Right. Right. Yes. So, yeah. <laughs> You're right. You're, yeah. So it kind of sounds like Tim, you and yeah. and, uh, and your partner are maybe a little bit opposite. You have different risk tolerances. You have different purviews on stuff, and then that makes for a good a good Absolutely. setup. Right. That's awesome. Absolutely. Yep. Different yeah. Different lenses. Going, going off of what Tim said, it, it might not even you know like so one person might be busy or they don't have the same amount of time that um you know they can devote to looking at deals, analyzing deals, but having that person to go back to at the end of the day and saying. Hey Tim, listen, I found these three deals. Here are the numbers. What do you think, man? Like, am I going yep. crazy or or right. does this look all right to you? That that is worth more than any money in the world to have the confidence and trust in somebody that you know is going to have your back yep. and, and can evaluate deals with you. So not everything needs to be, you know, 50-50 in the sense of time, but that that communication is vital. I mean, Absolutely. at least in my and mind. You, and you can't you really have to respect and understand what your partner is doing too and make right. sure you, you don't take advantage of them. Like for example, you know, Brian's our property manager and uh he's putting a lot of work into this you know yeah and i'm i'm like brian we got to pay you you know you have to be paid and he's like no i want to stabilize the properties <laughs> you know well and uh, okay but once the property is stabilized i'm like, brian no you, yeah. you're taking 10 percent, right like yeah. you're doing way too much work this right now no, it's not 50 50 you know That's you awesome. like so i think if you can make sure there's that mutual respect too uh that that'll help the relationship the partnership grow that's so awesome man i mean that's i don't even know this guy and i can already tell he's a you know a home run and just really just all over it so tim i want to i want to backtrack a little bit so obviously it takes a ton of um you know grit and and determination and desire and all you know all those buzzwords to be at the level of the athlete that you are right so if you could uh, i don't know maybe just touch a upon a little bit, like give us some insight onto, you know, what you've endured, how you've gotten to the level you've, you've reached and how that, or how you see those principles and those, uh, those traits transfer, transfer over into the business, real estate, entrepreneur, uh, you know, public speaking aspect of, of your career. Yeah. I mean, I look back, uh, I started swimming when I was five years old. I started swimming year round on like a club team when I was eight or nine. <laughs> so I've been pretty invested in, in the sporting world, but my, you know, my family jokes, I was the worst athlete in my family. I mean, I would go, I wouldn't qualify for the championship meets. So I'd have to lug like the lawn chairs for my siblings. I'm the youngest of four oh my and I'm the, pun- I'm the punching bag. Right. So I'm like, you know, like grabbing towels or whatever they need. And, uh, I loved swimming, you know, and I loved working hard. And then when I got into triathlon, it was the same thing. I was a hot mess. I mean, I was crashing left and right. I didn't know how to run, but I looked at it. Okay. What do I have to do? You know, um, right. you know, I love doing this. Let's focus and let's prioritize it. And to be honest, I could have had a lot more fun when I was at the academy when I did. And I know mm-hmm. it's not easy to have fun in the academies, but you definitely can. <laughs> but I was so focused on what I want to do. I'm like, okay, I want to, like, I don't know how, but I want to race triathlon professionally. Right. Okay. Well, obviously I got to train really hard and I got to like focus on that. But, you know, like I, we mentioned earlier, how do you, how do you actually make that happen? Uh, so, you know, I got to get to grad school. All right. Well, I better be mm-hmm. the top five or 10% of my class to do that. All right. right that's the new thing. We're going to do it. Yep. Uh, and then, you know, you know, better figure out how to work with the Navy on that. So I think knowing what you want is really important. Being willing to put the time in, in the work and finding the right people around you. You know, I had coaches that I would have never been able to do this without the people around me that I had coaches, you know, officer reps, as I mentioned, all that stuff. And then being able to believe in yourself enough that you push through when you're not succeeding. I mean, I was having all these breakthroughs in my, particularly in my run training when I was, you know, trying to make the Olympics. And then I was trying to move up to the Ironman distance racing. It wasn't evident in, in my race results. I was not performing, but I knew, Hey, this takes time. I have a plan. 
I have, yeah. you know, I have a run plan. I have a run, mm-hmm. run coach that is helping me and I know I can do this. So I'm going to believe in myself. And when I got out of the Navy at the end of 08, you know, I, I just missed uh, making the Olympic team by a couple spots. I had no sponsors. I wasn't making any prize money. And my parents thought I was crazy, right? <laughs> Here you go. Like you're leaving, you got a job, you got healthcare, you get pension right if you want to stay in. Like I had this really, I was in a comfortable spot and I said, no, I, I, I know I can do this. Moved to Boulder. I said, I got this much money for, to last me a year, year and a half. Like you got to go. It wasn't long after I I won my first Ironman, uh, half Ironman, a couple months later, broke the course record from the oh, reigning Ironman world champion. Freaking awesome. Like, okay, see, here we, I told you guys, I told you I can do this. <laughs> That's freaking awesome. I That's am such not a good carrying feeling. the lawn chairs anymore. <laughs> yes, yeah, take that. <laughs> That's so cool, man. That must have been a, just a fantastic feeling that first, you know, not only to win, but just to break a record at the same time. Just, hey. My my deter- my hard work is paying off. Like this is it. Like this is go time now. And it wasn't so I, just like just one more thought on that spirit. Yeah, yeah. Because end that race. Um, uh, it was in Saint Croix. I actually met my wife there too. By the way, so like this is the best day ever. Right? <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I joke with her that I had to win a race for her to talk. To. <laughs> but in the race, even when you're fully prepared, there's always adversity. Things are going to go wrong. And I remember we we're coming down this crazy descent, and the guy in front of me ran off the road. It was a sharp ninety degree turn, and I'm following that line down this like bomber of a hill and I'm like oh no I'm going into that bob wire fence too I correct I still go off the road I'm in the grass but you know I able to I, I managed to save it and not go into the fence I, but I lost the front group and I'm like there's my race like I can't win now but then you, you say okay well let's stop thinking about that let's think about the process right. I'm not right. going to think about winning I'm going to think about how do I perform the best and what do I do in this very moment for me to do that so when you focus on the process and the moment that you're in instead of the result you want I mean that's how you, that's how you win that's how you get there wow. can, we, can we bottle that up and put yeah. it in a message and, and broadcast that <laughs> I mean, no, but Tim, seriously, man, that's, you know, I don't want to use cliches, but that's, that's how you, you're successful in life, right? Uh, You know, myself, myself included, I think people get wrapped up in, okay, or, you know, in any aspect of life, I want to lose 20 pounds, I want to do it tomorrow, you know, I just want to do it, there's no process, or I want to be financially free, I want that to be done this month, I'd like to retire, but they don't look at the process, you know, insert anything, you know, any goal that somebody wants to achieve. So it's really important. I've been reading books and listening to books to just kind of take a step back and do those little daily habits that that you change those habits that be those those things that become habits and that's how you become successful day after day after you know grind after grind and that's where the magic happens and you know it's hard it's hard for the average person to conceptualize that but i know i've been trying to do it myself just like every day wake up you know i've been waking up at 3 30 go to the gym wake up do it every day it's a habit yep. just just make it happen you know look at deals every night do it it's non-negotiable do it and that's where the changes happen so really spot on man i, I love that that's that's really cool you're absolutely right mike and the hardest thing is once you get into that rhythm, you're fine. It's just taking that step yeah. and making that decision that you're going yeah. to do that. 100%. So Tim, you, you brought up a couple of things that I want to kind of piece together. You brought up about you had good coaches. Uh, you had a good support system. You know, in this network of people that the three of us are all involved in, you know, there's this aspect of sort of professional coaching and life coaching and executive coaching. And I'll be honest with you. I'm like one of these guys that's a non-believer. Like, yeah, I, don't, I am too. I don't I get it. So it sounds like you've relied. It sounds like you're a guy that has done all the work. You've put in all the work, managed to harness the discipline, but you have on multiple points today mentioned your coaches and the people that were coaching you. Can you talk about how coaches sort of play a part in the life of 
of a world-class champion like yourself and then kind of tie that to, I want to be a world-class real estate champion or an entrepreneur champion or whatever it is I decide I want to be the best in the world at. Help me become a believer in this idea of coaching. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I think coaches play different roles for different people. Okay. And, uh, you know, sometimes people just need someone for accountability to get them them off the couch. But in my experience, you know, at a high performance level, it's not about that. You know, you have people that are motivated, self-motivated, you know, driven, but they need a sounding board. They need uh, someone to tell them when to when to hit the throttle, when to pull back. Okay. Because it's not a, like, you know, and this isn't just sports. You can't just be full throttle in, right. in everything. You know, there has to be discipline, a structure, a plan, um, and sometimes patience, right? Um, you know, like yeah. like Mike said, you can't be, uh, <laughs> you can't retire off of, you know, mm-hmm. one week of being like, all right, I'm going to do this. Now it's done, right? It's <laughs> no, it's, it's just not like that. And it's not always about just what that person knows. You know, a lot of times like, oh, coach, like, do they really know more than me or what am I going to learn from them? And a lot of times you think you just need to experience it for yourself. If they can communicate well with you, I think that's the most important part. It's not necessarily even the knowledge base. It's just um, that relationship that we build with them, that trust. You know, I know I could, I know I could tell my coaches anything. Uh, I know they listen. I think that's really important. A lot of times coaches will just speak down to somebody, Mm -hmm. um, particularly if they don't have confidence in themselves as a coach that they know what they're doing. Yeah. I mean, I, I just, uh, I can't see doing it without, without that support and, nice. and the pressure I have friends that have been self-coached there's enough to think about. Right. But imagine, <laughs> imagine always worrying, like, am I doing yeah. the right thing right now? It's a right. fair point. That, always yeah. that questioning yourself and, and your decisions. Uh, that's, that's tiring and, and that can lead to burnout for sure. Yeah. It's interesting. You mentioned the, the knowledge aspect Tim, because I, I'm in the same camp as Sparrows. Whenever I think about a coach, I'm not in a conceited way at any, uh, in any way. Right. But I'm always, you know, my first first thought process or my first reaction is like, oh, like that person doesn't know, you know, like how much more do they know than me? Or, uh, you know, like what can they really contribute to me? Or, you know, what what can they tell me that I can't figure out on my own? But I've never looked at it in the way that you've explained it, where it's just the 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 trust aspect and the ability to have someone to speak to. You know, that's that's powerful, right? There's a lot of times where you might be engaging in something and just having that simple uh, phone call or that text message or that ability to, to bounce an idea off somebody, whether it's a coach, a friend, a, you know, a business partner that goes a long way and that can you know that could be the difference of somebody doing you know in the co- in the context of real estate diving into a really bad deal where you lose a lot of money or you know yeah. <laughs> getting out of a bad deal where you don't you don't purchase it because that person was able to you know walk you off the ledge so to say and even you know i'm i'm, I'm kind of with the foray into public speaking here, I'm, you know, have a mentor that I will start working with here shortly. Nice. And he, he's risen quickly, right? It's only a year. I'm like, well, how much does he know in a year? It doesn't matter. Like right. he's always, he obviously knows how to do it, but he's going to help me just start, right? Like he's going to yeah. help me take that first step and polish and just have to listen and ask questions too. You, right. You know, Cause there's always nuggets to, you know, they may, they may say something they don't even know is going to have an yeah. impact on you and you just pick it up. I have that with, with, with triathletes that I coach right now, I'll, I'll say something and then they'll email me like later that day. Like, wow. Like that kind of blew me away, and I'm like, right. what did? <laughs> yeah, like, for me, I said, I said what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, that's pretty cool. So, so in the in the interest of giving you, uh, I'm sure you've done a ton of podcasts, right? But giving you another rep in telling your story, I do want to kind of focus back on your personal experience. I was super inspired and intrigued by your kind of personal story of what happened to you during a race. So, you know, if you could take a few minutes and just kind of tell our listeners a little bit more about who you are, and and I'd like everyone to sort of treat it as a bit of a commercial because when this guy guy's book comes out, you're going <laughs> to want to buy it. 
because yeah, this story sure. is nothing more than otherworldly. So I, I wanted to give you an opportunity to kind of talk about that a little bit. Yeah, definitely had a, a very scary moment in my racing career. And I'll just preface it with uh, 2019. I had my greatest performance at the Ironman World Championship, first American to break out, only American to be sub eight hours uh, in Kona, wow. uh, runner up finish, just an amazing day. Awesome. And, you know, pandemic hit, slowed us down. My first race back beginning of 2021 uh, was in Miami and I was racing the guy that won. So this was, um, I had one Kona in 19. So this, for me, this was a, kind of a big, big race. And uh, I've been having issues in my chest earlier, like breathing and stuff and had gone to see dark doctors. They said I was okay. Got in the race, crushed myself in the swim, was was right up there with um, Jan, the, the defending Ironman world champion and a couple other, two or three other guys, exactly where I wanted to be in the front of the race on the bike. And, you know, I'm pushing over 300 watts going almost 30 miles an hour and I just start to feel the spreading pain shoot across my chest and my jaw my left jaw locked up uh, I started getting that tingling feeling running up my left arm I'm in the heat of the moment and I know this isn't a normal race pain that I would feel but yawns right up the road like <laughs> what am I supposed to do you know uh, so I actually thought to myself is this a heart attack and you know and then I thought there's no way I could be pushing, you know, 300 plus watts and be having a heart attack. So I'm just going to back it off a little bit, see how I feel. The race just kept getting harder and harder. Uh, actually, yeah. it was on the the speedway, the Homestead Speedway, the NASCAR track. And um, it's like 17 laps on the bike. I actually got off my bike a lap early because I was so out of it. Hmm. You know, and they're yelling, get back on. I'm like, oh, okay, get back on. <laughs> Coming in transition, hit the run. Still had like an 11 mile run to go. And I'm just like mad at myself. My son, my, my second child, Finn, was eight weeks old at the time. And I'm like, I got to get some diaper money, you know, you know. <laughs> Prize yeah. money's 10 deep. That's I'm funny. in 11th place right now. <laughs> I got to pay the money. bills, you know? <laughs> That's great. And uh, I'm just like mad at myself. And I'm like, well, I'm like, why is it so hard to breathe? And I'm just crushing myself, you know, get across the line and still try to rally. Uh, don't feel right. And then finally, I couldn't even stand up. And oh, no. I just told, I told the race director, hey, like, I don't feel right. Called my wife. She's like, you need to call our doctor. Called Dr. Dave. Told him what was happening. He said, Tim, you need to take aspirin right now and go to the emergency room. Wow. And I did that. And turns out I had, I was having a heart attack. Had a heart attack during the race. Uh, almost complete blockage of my LAD. Uh, at one at one point in the race, they said it was completely blocked. Even the doctor um, in Miami, even the cardiologist was like, oh, I, I, like you're the happy, like the, not the happiest, like you're, you're the like, most cheerful uh, patient we've ever seen in here. They, they're like, there's no way you're having a heart attack. This is probably just dehydration or whatever. Right. And they went in, operated, and I'm like, wow, yeah, yeah. You Holy had, cow. Uh, you had a Widowmaker heart attack, as they call it. About, uh, I think, 12% survival rate from that. What? Wow, man. We're Holy just, cow! Hey, we're just blessed to have you on the on the on the Thanks, podcast Chris. today. But, <laughs> oh uh, man, that's a, but that's so a, tell tell everybody that you you had shared with me that they actually kind of surmised that because of your world class training, mm -hmm. you had grown. Tell us yep. about that a little bit. So yeah, honestly, my fitness helped helped save my life. Uh, with all the training I'd done over the years, um, requirement for so much blood flow from you know yeah. your mm -hmm. elevated heart rate from you know 30, right. 40 hours a week of training, I had started developed these little ancillary vessels that came off of my arteries and that helped divert blood around the blockage to keep me going. Wow. That's, that's incredible, insane, man. That's a that's a story that should be in a book. So rightfully so that you're writing it up. What did like what did that look after Tim? Was it 
did that end your career or were you able to still race after that? Well, yeah, it was crazy, actually. Literally, you know, they said, we're just going to go take a quick peek, peek inside and then, you know, <laughs> sure, you're fine. 30 minutes later or whatever it is, I'm like, they're in there a long time. I feel Holy like cow. moving around oh my uh, God. in my chest. That's uh, crazy. The first thing the doctor said was, well, I guess you'll have to find a new career. Whoa, oh, and man. The head no, nurse, the head nurse was like, kind of like big, stocky, bald-headed guy. And he started yelling at the the doc and the head nurse had had worked at Boulder Community Hospital. Uh-huh. And he's like, he's like, you don't know what you're talking about, doc. This guy, these guys from Boulder are so fit. He'll be out, you know, he'll be out <laughs> back at it in no time. He's like, don't worry, Tim. <laughs> uh, so that's yeah, awesome. Uh, it, it was this really hard point, like in my life, you know, you almost died. Right? So you have yeah. to deal with that whole like facing mortality issue, which right now, oh one of the fittest guys in the world, it never crosses your mind. Right. right? Like, how can how can I be having a heart attack? Yeah. You're like, oh, that can happen to everybody who doesn't work out. Not me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah I'm not. Right. I'm, I'm Superman, right? Um, right? Not the case, right? Um, and I mentioned, you know, Spiro has heard me say this before, but, you know, fitness isn't health. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really important takeaway. So I had this, you know, mortality issue facing me, but then also, hey, I may be out of a job. My career huh. might be over. So right. uh, it, it was it was a really difficult time. Luckily, I had you know, great support from my wife and family, but I found the best specialist in, in the world. And I said, you know, my wife, Irini and I had a conversation. Hey, if they say I can go back to racing, I'll do it, but I'm not going to jeopardize my health and the, you know, jeopardize our kids having a dad. Sure. All right, sure. To do sure. a sport of triathlon. You know, I've, I've hit great heights. If, if I couldn't, if I had to stop racing, I would have been very happy with my career at that point. Right. But almost for me, it was just, it wasn't even about results anymore. It was just about being able to come back and, you know, not letting that heart attack stop me. I got back to training. It, it was hard. Honestly, mentally, it was the hardest part. No. Am I, should I be doing this? Am I, you know, am I going to keel over on the side right. of the road? Right. At one point, I was on blood thinners. So I was taking rolls oh, of duct man. tape with me in case I got in an accident and I, you know, you're going to bleed a lot, right? So I'm you know, oh, be ready to wrap, wrap up any wounds and aspirin with me in case something happened. So it, was, it just really shifted my perspective. But, you know, I, I was able to work through it. And hmm. I'm really glad I did because not just for me, I, it's had a tremendous impact on those in our sport. And mm-hmm. I get, you know, emails every week about people saying I've helped them. You know, thank you so much for coming back. It's, you know, I've had something similar and, and now I, I have the, you know, the courage to, to keep being fit. And that's, you know, the doctors told me, hey, you know, fitness is not a bad thing. Working out is not a bad thing. Right. Even after the heart attack, you need to do that to prevent, you know, further right. cardiovascular issues. Man, Interesting. A tr- true inspiration. If you if you if you're not inspired after that story to. No matter what it is in life, whether you're a runner, real estate, you know, whatever your your thing is, freaking awesome, Tim. That's really cool, man. I appreciate you sharing us with that. That's that's awesome. And and I was able to get back to the finish line one more time at the Ironman World Championship, which was was awesome. That's so cool. That's really special moment for me. Man, I can't thank you enough for sharing that with us and our listeners. That's such a cool story. And, you know, it, it, it's cool because you persevered, you persevered and, and you overcame, which is what everybody's trying to do in life. So I, I have a I have a really odd question. I, as we close this out, right, I just want you to you've had such a fantastic career, right? World champion, Ironman, you know, world record breaking. Tell like if when somebody asks you, what is your number one accomplishment in the sport? What's your what's your answer? What do you say? What's what's your go to thing? Uh, probably that race. <laughs> And uh, that the 2019 Ironman World Championship, getting that that American record in the Ironman World Championship was pretty awesome. And nice. what? Tell, tell us. Just and tell I had broken us the... my foot. I had broken my foot oh, seven my weeks goodness. before the race. Cool. <laughs> 
I, I didn't run. I didn't run going into the race. I couldn't run. <laughs> oh my god! How many? Uh, listen, I, I don't know anything about triathlon. The only I you know I've listened to David Goggins' book a little bit, so I know yeah. all that and whatnot. So, how many miles do you have to run to to beat that record? How many miles did you run? Oh uh, yeah, so the the Ironman triathlon is a it's a two point four mile swim and then a hundred twelve mile bike and then you end that with a uh, a marathon twenty six point two mile run. So you didn't by, run. By for the way, seven... the ground temperature in Hawaii is like one hundred thirty <laughs> degrees in the lava rock. Dude, but, yeah, I can't run two miles outside without like uh pass it out you ran 26 miles without running before the race come on man that's freaking and awesome I had, I had my fastest run split ever that's and awesome, awesome. That's you can't awesome. make it up you can't make it up well that this has been a, a true pleasure uh, yeah, man. huge inspiration freaking awesome um, and and i'll tell you if it helps spurn you on to progress we we can't wait for your yeah. uh, your story to come out and same uh, here man and because i think there's a lot of things here right it's it's a story about perseverance it's a story about not the winning part but the getting knocked down and getting up like the process right. that you were talking about yep. i mean these are yep. all things that people need to hear about so i know from from mike and i for sure man you got to yeah. do this this is what you were put here for. Absolutely. People need to hear this story, and I think yeah, you're absolutely. gonna. I think you're gonna touch a lot of people. So I'm. I'm very much yeah. looking forward Thanks, to guys. it. I just want yeah. to add one more thing. You know, we get we get knocked down. Like you said, come back. It's okay. It's okay to change your goals, your goalposts, right? You know, my when I came back from the heart attack, uh, my mindset shift was completely different. You know, I wasn't wasn't necessarily about winning an Ironman World Title anymore, right? You know, mm-hmm. and don't be afraid to, as you evolve as a person or something happens to you, to make those shifts and, and change your focus. That's awesome. Yeah. That's yeah. that's great. I mean, that's uh, that's your second book right there. You know, <laughs> changing your goals. No, I mean it's a it's a fair point because people get so wrapped up on that. You know, the shiny object syndrome where I, I have mm-hmm. to get that one thing, and the minute there's a bump in the road, there you know the whole the whole mission is is done. So right. being able to be flexible and adjusting based on you know the the tri- trials and tribute you know tribulations that you that you observe throughout the process is is super important. So Mike, yeah, spot I think- on Tim. I think we, I think we probably just had our first New York Times bestseller on the podcast. I mean, this, in the future, I, I mean, if we don't know it, it yet, but it's going to happen. Let's. We got to do the radio voice for that, Spiros. You've heard it here first on the Freedom Fries <laughs> Real Estate Podcast, Mister Tim O'Don. Tim, listen, man, freaking awesome! Can't thank you enough. This was fantastic. Any, t- this is an open invitation. Anytime you want to come on this podcast, and you know, if it helps at all with the, the public speaking endeavors, and you want to get some practice, we'll we'll throw out four five six seven straight episodes of just talking to tim on here i don't care so Perfect. this is awesome. awesome all right this is awesome book, when, the, when the when the book comes out i'll <laughs> gotcha, be back man. on a sound here, awesome. brother. all right appreciate Tim, your thank time you. man cheers thanks for tuning in to the freedom fries podcast join mike and spiros next time as they bring more real talk about real estate investing highs and lows freedom fries is focused real estate investing for epic success